Let's start again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. By virtue of a little bit of passing review, we showed you how that, that God has given us a spirit that now has the integrity in it that can contact Him. God is spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so that's, that's, that's basically when, he, when Jesus said that to the woman at the well, He was referring actually to this generation that He was involved in. See, there had never been a time since Adam and Eve where someone could worship Him from their spirit. It was always in the flesh, in the soulish realm. Because once man became alienated from God by the sixth chapter of Genesis, he was joined to his flesh and therefore he was since ruled. So what Paul is trying to get across to the Corinthians and thus us too, is that we need to learn how to walk in that spirit, in that new, born again, regenerated spirit that he's given us which is made in righteousness and true holiness. And he tells us here in verse 10 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, and I showed you how that God revealed those things that uh, God had prepared for us. Never had it entered before. But after the resurrection, and then the 40-day subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit was came was given, rather, and mankind uh, began to communicate with God in the realm of the Spirit. God began revealing those things. And says, and Paul said here, but God hath revealed, that meant to pull back the curtain, to pull back the veil that stood between mankind and Him understanding God. He pulled that back and revealed them to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things Yea, the deep things of God. And then I posed a question to you. Why would God need to search Himself? He doesn't. The Holy Spirit is God. So this verse is not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your spirit. You now have the capability of searching out that deep laid plan that God has put in your heart for the rest of your life, for the whole time that we're here. And I'm loving how the Holy Spirit is dovetailing this into the judgment seat message. I kind of wondered for a month or so how He was going to do this. So now it's just dovetailing right into this. And and so we'll go on and progress down here. We don't need to reteach all of that. Uh, Verse 12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And then we showed you verse 13, how that we speak in tongues, he's talking about laleo, the word speak there, in words which man's wisdom uh, doesn't, doesn't teach us. So we're not coming to you, I'm not coming to you uh, as, as a teacher like I would be if I was in the public school system and teaching history or whatever. Uh, that's not why I'm coming to you with words that came from the Holy Spirit, from that revelation that He's made known to me. See, and so we speak those things, and He says, which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual concepts with spiritual words, languages. But verse nineteen, verse fourteen says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. They don't make sense. A lot of times when I've had to deal with people in the Spirit and ministering to them, whether it's be healing or word of knowledge, wisdom, whatever it may be, to my natural mind, I'm screaming at myself self saying, don't do that. I'm reminded of Jack Coe. Anybody ever known of Jack Coe? He was a healing evangelist back in the 40s and 50s. And uh, he would go up on he had they called the man they called Jack Cole the man with ruthless faith 
And he got a man up on stage that was on his deathbed. They got him up there and he hit him as hard as he could in the stomach. And he fell off the stage into the sawdust. And Jack's uh, manager said to himself, he said, my Lord, he said, we're going to go to jail now. We'll be sued for everything we have. But just before that man even got that all the way out, the man in the sawdust jumped up and started running around the the uh, audience, you know, glorifying and praising God. Well, after that happened, there was a lot of Jack Coites, young men of God that's wanting to emanate what he did. They would punch people in the stomach, and of course it wouldn't work, and they got in a lot of trouble over that. So what I'm saying is, when you're operating by the Spirit of God, a lot of times it doesn't make sense here in your head. Your reasoning will get in the way. A lot of times I've missed God because of that. That very same thing. Say, because I've let my mind rule me in that situation, saying, I just can't do that. And, and so, God, you know, that person didn't get healed or whatever the case was. But anyway, he says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolish in them, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They're made known to you by the Spirit. But he that is spiritual, verse 15, judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Now think about this. Your human spirit, that's, that's called the Spirit of Christ now, that you have in you, it says, you that are spiritual, that's pneumaticos, is that Greek word. Remember me telling you about that. That's your identity now. You are a spiritual person. You, you are being led by your spirit. And when you are, it says you judge all things. So, now there's a lot in this statement I'm about to make to you, so I want you to, I want you to really think about this, because it's easy to miss this. That you don't need the law anymore to tell you what to do and what not to do. It's written in your spirit. So now, and it's coming up when we're starting to teach on the judgment seat, we are going to be judged by how we directed our lives according to this Spirit that we have. That means that's, that's what that means there, but He that is spiritual judges all things. In other words, your Spirit will make a judgment, an estimation about a situation, and give you the direction. If you disobey that, see, that's sin. But He says this, the next statement He says, but He, he Himself is judged of no man. Meaning this, that when you operate by your Spirit, and you know that it's your Spirit, no man can say anything about it. The results will show up for themselves. See? The meaning that you're not judged of anyone. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Where? In our spirit. See, your spirit inhabits your whole body and in your spirit head <laughs> there, is a, there is a mind there. It's the mind of Christ. It's not your natural mind. The natural mind and the spiritual mind war against one another all the time. And that's why it's important for you to pray in tongues so that you can build yourself up above a walk of the senses into a walk of the Spirit. And you don't have to be troubled about it. I sense in my spirit right now that some people are troubled about praying in tongues because they're not seeing the kind of results that they want. Join the crowd. See? Amen? But we don't need to be troubled about that because you just learn to learn to listen. And learn to obey. In other words, it's like this. This is a very elementary way to put this, but hey, I, you know, I graduated with a D plus average in high school. So here you go. I don't believe it. <laughs> I did. I've got the I've got the proof. It's just like this. Do you know what serendipity is? What? Somebody tell me what they think serendipity is. Have you kids studied that yet? No. No. I hear it in songs. Yeah. Well, serendipity, here's my, my definition, is that here you are going just through in the li- you're walking life, you're just 
happy-go-lucky, you know, just not troubled about... Just go, And on your way, while on your way, you stumble upon something and discover it. See? That's kind of the way it is. It's a crude way, it's a crude illustration, but it's kind of the way it is walking in the Spirit. If you have to be troubled about it, and you have to... You have to be very serious. I'm going to walk in the Holy Ghost, walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Then chances are you're not going to. But if you just love the Lord, worship Him, pray in the Spirit, and just go on your way, He will supernaturally lead you on those discoveries that's in His Word, that's in your life, that whatever that may be. Does that make sense to you? So that, that's kind of the way it is, a walk of the Spirit. So you're not really... Uh, it's not like you're preparing for an algebra test. You know, I get real upset because I couldn't understand that in high school. I failed it two years in a row. I remember the first day of algebra class, we was all, why does this come up in my mind? Oh, somebody from home's going to hear this, I'm sure. But Wayne Golden hadn't been but just a few years out of the Marine Corps. And he was our algebra teacher. I mean, he still had the, the buzz cut and, you know, looked just like that guy on the full metal jacket. You remember that movie? I mean, he looked just like that guy. So he was real, you know. So he said, Mr. Chumley, stand. We had given us a, 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 an assignment. I think it was on Friday. He gave us the assignment that we were to memorize the properties of algebra. Wow. I never took a book home to save my life. So, Monday morning, Mr. Chumley, stand up and give us the properties of algebra. So, I mean, I wasn't but just a, a, a toothpick anyway. I stood up there and I said, I don't know. <laughs> and that man got visibly angry. I mean, he was shaking. He was so mad and red-faced. He came over and started pointing me in the nose, you know, touching my nose. and it, He said, get out of my class. So I didn't go back. I went to study hall. Next year, I just couldn't understand it. So I don't understand algebra. I ended up my junior year taking plain old arithmetic. Did good on it. You know, 2 plus 2 equals 4. I don't care what Wayne Golden says. So I, I drew that analogy to kind of lock in your mind. It doesn't have to be like that, walking in the Spirit and getting revelation from God. Just, just, just smile at yourself and thank God that He's going to reveal to you the deep and secret things about you and about His kingdom. Amen. Amen. The Holy Ghost is not Wayne Golden. He's nice. He's a gentleman, but He's nice and He loves us. Amen. So He wants to teach us these things. Now look what Paul says to this group of people. He says here in chapter 3 of verse 1, and, meaning a continuation of thought here. And I, brethren, since I just told you that we have the mind of Christ, he said, I could not. It's the, it's the Greek word adunamai, which means absolutely powerless. I had no ability to speak to you as you were spiritual beings. Pneumaticos. Spirit creatures. I couldn't speak to you that way. Kudamasatai. There's, there's been a lot of people that's contacted me since I've been here. And uh, I said, well, you know, the church is not growing numerically, but it seems like everybody's growing spiritually. You know, and I think that's more important, don't you? Yes. Praise God. So, I am speaking unto you as unto spiritual tonight. See? Now, I want you to understand something about the Corinthian church. Next time you're reading through this, I want you to remember this about this bunch. They were so carnally minded that Paul had to tell them to quit sinning in certain areas. All you got to do is read and find out what areas those were. But he had, to, he had to tell them to quit. But by the same time, they were used in the gifts of the Spirit. That's why he had to get some teaching on it. It's in Corinthians that we have, you know, we have, we have the operation of the Spirit in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. And then we have 1 Corinthians 13, which is what? The chapter of love. And then 14, we have all about tongues and how to use that. So they were flowing in these, but they didn't have any organization about it, see. So, in one way of looking at it, they had it better than we've got today. See. 
But Paul said, I couldn't speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babies. It's, it's nepios, which means literally a newborn. They hadn't grown any. And uh, uh, babes in Christ, you know, they thought they were mature. You remember my, my brother's testimony when he was here the other day. I didn't. I had never heard that testimony. I'd heard parts of it, but I didn't know that he had the attitude that he knew everything because I thought he figured I knew everything. <laughs> but, uh, but Frank had the attitude, you know, well, I just know everything. That's the kind of what these First Corinthian people did, these Corinthians. They thought that, well, we just know it. And you know, those are the hardest people to get across to is someone who already thinks they know. Jesus told the, told the Pharisees, He said, You're, you can't see because you say you can. You're blind because you say you can see. But if you were blind, then you could see. see. So He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, that solid food, actually. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as mere... I like what Wiest said. Wiest translation put this this way. He said, are you not carnal and walk as mere unchanged men? So they were walking after their flesh. And... Uh, they, they were walking in envying and strife. In fact, the word strife is eresis, which, mean, which is a political faction, actually. Getting into f- politics. You know, that's a real temptation today, especially on Facebook now, to get involved with all the political things. I mean, I've fallen into it myself at times. But people need to hear the Word of God. Amen. If you want to post something about some politics, you know, post about praying for them. See? But anyway... He says, are you not carnal? Walk as mere unchanged men. For while one says, I am of, of Apollos, or excuse me, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Immature? Paul was known as the man that uh, taught with great authority, but he was known as the power minister. He had power, signs and wonders everywhere he went. Apollos simply had a teaching, a very strong teaching gift. And some... Some people feel like that Apollos was the ones that, one that wrote the book of Hebrews. I don't know. I personally feel like it was Paul. But some say that it was Apollos. They worked together a lot, Paul and Apollos. And so these people were drawing out factions. That's why the word strife was used, a political thing. It, you know, people want to people draw off and identify. They want to get in groups. And they want to say, well, I identify with them. I identify with them. I'm of Paul. No, I'm of Apollos. He's better. You know, all these things. That's the same thing that they were falling into. And they were getting into sin over it. And Paul says the word who here is the, it's the Greek word T-I-T. means, what's the big deal? What, you know, who, who am I? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers, servants, diakonos is the Greek word, servants, slaves, by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. So in other words, they were just being obedient. That's all the Lord wants us to be in our, in our perspective places in the body of Christ is just be obedient where you are. It's very easy for me to look at other men of God. I've, I've fallen into that a lot when I was a young preacher. A lot. Boy, I would just look at somebody else and I mean, I'd want to quit. I've wanted to resign my church many Monday mornings because, because you know, of the services of the previous day. And so that, that's it, you know it's kind of a, a thing that the enemy uses. He says, but he said, but we're ministers, we're servants by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. He says, I've planted, Apollos watered, but and this is what we need to realize here: God gave the increase. It's God that grows you up. Our participation or our cooperation with Him is how He grows us up. He, get, he delineates this on down here. He said, I've planted Paul's water, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he that plants 
and he that watereth are one. Meaning the unity. They're in it for the same reason, see. When I get a guest speaker here, he and I are one. We have the same goal. That is to to move you a little higher into God. To unveil things from His Spirit that will cause you to start to grow, see. And demonstrate His power, whatever, whatever kind of minister we get in here. So he says, now he that plants and he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward. Notice this, we're getting into the judgment now, judgment seat. Every man his own reward according to his own labor. I like the word for reward here. It's mythos, which really means a paycheck. Really, it's talking about a paycheck. Amen. So he says, for... Or because we are soon ergos. We are laborers together with God. And I, in my Bible, I circled the word God, the name God, and I wrote above it, major partner. We are in this together with Him, but He's the major partner. He's the one that's in charge. He is the one that we get our orders from. He's the one that tells us to go out. He says, you are God's husbandry, God's field. You are God's building. And in fact, the word building here is magnificent building. A magnificent structure. That's how God sees you. He said, according to the grace of God, which is given me, did me, delivered unto me. Galatians 1.1 is a reference there for Paul's gift. As a wise master builder. He's beginning to delineate his and specify his specific calling. What his job was. A wise master builder. It's architecton, which we get our word architect from. He, is, he was the architect for God's church. Now think about this. How many builders do we have in here? It's done any building whatsoever. Uh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> this, this master builder, boy, the, when the Holy Ghost made this real to me, I shouted and shouted and shouted. Praise God. This master builder, not only could he go in and create a structure from the ground up, you know, you have to, you have to dig in the ground and lay the footer and put the plumbing pipes and all that in place and all going by a blueprint. And then you pour the slab and then you build, build the sides up and the, you know, you have the roof and everything fits together like that. But this wise master builder had the ability to go into an existing structure that had a bad foundation and mine that out and put a brand new foundation in. Wow. So you see, that's what we are faced with a lot in the body of Christ today. People have some bad things in their foundation. I call it sand. People have let a little sand get poured in in a, you know, a certain area of their foundation. I know a church over in Tulsa that uh, they, bought, uh, they, bought some, they bought a building actually that was already built. And they didn't know this, but 40 years before that, it was some kind of what kind what kind of hole did they say that was over there some it was some they had some kind of i don't know whether it was coal or something anyway but they couldn't build anything on it for 40 years and so now in this ministry and of course that's been a long time ago at that uh, in, in this church i was just in it a while back you walk in there and the floor is just like this when you go into the restroom, the men's restroom, the floor is probably a foot, at least one foot below where that it used to be. And they've had trouble with plumbing and all these things. But a master architect has the ability to go in and mine all that out and put in a brand new uh, foundation. See? And, and perhaps, and I don't want to seem, seem presumptuous here on you, but perhaps that's what some of us need here is that our foundation may be a little crumbly in places, may have a little sand here. There may be a little touch of, well, you know, God still uses sickness and disease to teach us. I mean, that's, that's a major deal right there. you got that on your foundation. It's not going to stand when the floods come. It's going to wash it out completely and your house will fall, you see. 
So you understand what we're, what we're dealing with here. Now, I, I gave you the other day something the Lord told me about you, about this ministry, that it, it was... It, I don't know whether He used the word mandate, but it, it came across to me that way. Uh, he mostly speaks to me by inner witness. And, it, and I just had this feeling that, that God has given me a mandate to get you ready, not only for working in the kingdom, but for the judgment seat. Yes, amen. You know, because I mean, I want to deal with everything I can. I don't want anything unconfessed in my life. How I have mistreated someone, or, or, or done something wrong that I've forgotten about. I don't want any. I don't want to have to deal with any of that amen. on that day. Amen. And it's invariably we will. Amen. But I want to cut that down as much as possible. Don't you? Amen. Praise God. I mean, y'all are so precious and sweet. I, I was sharing with somebody a few days ago how much love God has given me for you. I, it's unusual. It's, 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 it's just unusual. I mean, I mean, I almost want to cry thinking about I almost never ever met you. Just think about it. What for that young lady right there and Tressie and Debbie, Jerry wouldn't even be here. And I almost want to cry about that. Not that I, you know, think that I'm something special, but I never would have gotten to meet you guys, gals. <laughs> Amen. And, I, and I'm so thankful uh, and that you are willing to sit there and listen to this. Praise God. So, he's, let's go back here now. According to the grace of God which was given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, you see. Amen. Apollos, in other words, Apollos is bringing up the house after the foundation is there. The foundation is very, very important. Your foundation, if it's not correct, when the stress is put on it from life, it will fall. One man, and I know Lester would appreciate this, and bro Brother uh, uh, Elmer here, that has anything to do with growing stuff. But I learned this when I was in the Logwoods because the guy that I worked for, I ran the skitter. It was a huge, big deal. It didn't even, the wheels didn't even turn. The, the thing turned in the middle. But anyway, I had, to, I had to get the logs, go up in the mountains, get the logs, and pull them down to the log deck. And so he was talking to me one day about this big hurricane that hit over in South Carolina several, I mean, probably 25 years ago. And he said that it's the most dangerous thing in the world to try to go into a forest after a hurricane because all the trees are bent over and he said they are they, what will happen is you go in there and you cut one it will pop on you it was just like a spring it will spring back on you so we got to talking about all that and he said you know what makes a, a tree strong I said no he said wind makes the tree strong so I just recently a few days ago was reading and I heard somebody say that they had raised up some seedlings in a greenhouse and they went and put them out into the yard or whatever. And it wasn't long till they were all dead because they had no strength. It was used to the greenhouse. Right. They were, they, were, they were in that controlled atmosphere and had no strength. That's what's happened to the church today is that we've been in an environment where that we're in four walls and we're us four and us few and God help us instead of being out there in the world and not having any strength to stand in the face of adversity and let the winds blow where they will and it will not move our foundation. Amen. That's what we're faced with here. Amen. Not, not just here, but I'm talking about in our society. Amen. So, he says... I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. So don't worry about the winds of change. If you'll stay planted in the Holy Spirit and in the Word of God, you will be strong and the winds of change will only make you stronger. Amen. I, I, Stuart showed me a tree. He, well, after we had talked about that, he cut down a tree uh, and, and showed me the rings in the tree. He said, we can tell what kind of weather was that year he counted I'm on this 50 or 75 rings he said so this tree is, is 75 years let's just say 75 years old and he said you see this ring right here it was real wide but the next year it was real small he said that's because they didn't get much rain see 
But he said what happens is when these winds blow and the hurricanes come, he said it, it makes those trees so unstable that when you start cutting them, they'll pop on you. And he said they'll kill you in a heartbeat because they're, they're intertwined. You know, they're, they're just laid down like that. So it's very important. I keep, this keeps coming across to my spirit. Do you guys mind? If I, if I, and I know I'm not a good artist. But, but Paul, I mean, this young lady drew up, you know, we, we had a foundation the other day. And, of course, the truth, and you can put the bricks and all that kind of stuff in there. But you have to have a good foundation. But in order to put a roof on the thing, you have to have walls first, don't you? Now, what happens in Christian circles a lot of times, and I, I've seen this so much over the period of time that I've been a pastor, and it hurts my heart because you can't get people to see this. But too many times, people of God are more interested in the roof-type questions being answered than they are the walls or the foundations or any other part of the structure. See, that's what happens when we don't teach the, the full Word of God. People want that. You know, I like the, I like the rooftop experiences with God. I love that. I mean, I, I love, you know, even in natural building, I like knowing how. I, I built a building a few years ago behind my house. And I, and I <laughs> don't ask her about it. But, but I enjoyed seeing how this goes up and how this is made and how this is done. And it's just like it is in our body in the church. Is we have to get these answered correctly. The foundation questions have to be answered correctly. Are you following me? If we have a bad foundation, walls won't stand up. If the walls are not good, the roof won't stand. It'll fall over. So it's very important that we understand what Paul is trying to say to us here. And, and you know, the beauty of this is, is that God has given us a helper called the Holy Ghost that is our teacher. And He will, through our spirit, as we pray in tongues, He will start stepping you through the pages of His Word. Yeah. He may not start you where He's got me. He may not start me where He's got you. But He knows where you lack ACE curriculum. He knows. He knows the paces that you need to shore up on. Yes, See? And so that's why all this is, we're in this together. The foundation is laid. Others are building on it. And Paul said here, but let every man take heed how. The word how here is the Greek word P-O-O-S. Pus. It, it's a warning. It's a warning word. Uh, how he builds thereon. The word buildeth means continuation. How are we going to continue on? Now let's see. Let's say, for example, we may have had a person in here that came in and got saved and filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues and learning all these things. But what we didn't know was that he had been a member of the Jehovah's Witnesses for twenty years, and so he has some bad foundational things in his in his foundation that has to be mined out, that has to be gotten out, has to be corrected. You know, now I think in Georgia, I don't know if I do it here, but now in Georgia they have this company, if you have a, a foundation that is cracking and falling in, whether it's porches or sidewalks or whatever, they can pump stuff in there and push it right back up, see? So, so a lot of times these, these things that's in our heart that was put there by while men slept, remember that scripture? They came in and sowed bad seed. Uh, he says, so that's what he's talking about. Let every man take heed. That means pay very, very important uh, attention to after the foundation that you uh, start building on. And verse 11 is something that we really need to understand as well for or because other foundation. And it's interesting here the word other means of the same kind. Can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. He is the only way to God. That's 
the only way. It's not, it's not him uh, in conjunction with other religions or other idiots out there. He, he is by himself King of King and Lord of Lords. There's no other foundation. So if there's even a little, uh, you know, a piece of straw anywhere in that foundation, get it out. Amen? So now he says, if any man build on this foundation, now that's what we're, this is what's going to launch us in to the judgment seat messages. Uh, I mean, see, I've got two and a half, three pages here that I'm not going to get to tonight. But it's exciting stuff because th- these are, these, this is not my opinion. <laughs> now, if any man build upon this foundation, that is the one that is Jesus. Now, the word if there is conditional. There's ifs of doubt, and there's ifs of condition. I had to learn that the hard way when I first got out of Rama. and any time I used the word if, some of those Word of Faith people would, shame on you, you shouldn't use if. Well, there's ifs of condition, and there's then, of course, ifs of doubt. You know, if it's God's will is wrong to say. But if you will seek His face, He will reward you. Amen? I mean, so it's up to you. So if any man build on this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones. That's talking about the great temples. When, they, when he said this to them, they remembered the great temples. Remember I was talking to you a while back about the temples that Jesus was referring to when he said one stone shall not be left upon another. Uh, and, and he's talking about those gems, those costly gems in that, that they're all going to be stolen and taken away. And so that's what he's talking about here. He says, if any man build on this foundation gold, silver, precious stones. It's talking about durable substance. Things that will last. See. But he says, or wood, hay, and stubble. Which is talking about the mud huts. I mean, these, two, these, these people uh, instantly had pictures in their mind of both, of both structures. See. One time the Lord gave me, I'll just go ahead and share this, I don't know why. But the Lord gave me a vision about housing people in other countries and in ours too that were homeless. But primarily this was because of uh, the mission emphasis that I had in my life at that time. And he gave me a vision about building huts for these people. So a man by the name of Jack Gould, which was a, a genius builder. I mean a, a genius builder. He, he, he built stuff. He, he built furniture for our church that was just... He, he worked for millionaires, so everything had to be... I mean, he sanded, he, he molded, I mean, he, it's just wonderful. But I shared this with him. And I felt like when I did, my job was done. Because, you know, I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't even know how to build a cabinet back then. I know, I know all there is to know about it now. But I didn't know then, so I, I turned it over to Jack. Well, he went right away and he bought ripstop nylon, thick, thick nylon, and PVC pipe, and that man built a domed hut out of that, which proved to be uh, worthy up to, uh, I think, a Category 3 hurricane that these people would live in. The top had a little place for it because everybody had fires, you know, in their houses, and they cooked their food. And, and it, I mean, it was well thought out. See. But I don't know what happened, what we needed to do else, but it just, it just never materialized. But you see, that's why I'm saying this, I guess, is that God can give us an idea. God can drop something into our spirit about an invention or something, whatever. But if we don't act on it, if we don't go ahead and take the other steps, His hands are tied, see? So that's, I think that all is encompassing here that mankind can build, we as children of God can build precious stones, gold and silver in our building. Or we can build mud huts. See? Every man's work shall be manifest. You know what manifest means? Every man for the day shall declare it. What day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of the Lord at the judgment seat, the Bema. 
every man's work shall be manifest. He's not going to cast you aside for building mud huts. It's just going to be manifest that it was mud huts. Lots of men of God out there have built structures that are elaborate. I'm thinking of one right now that if I called his name, every one of you would know who it is. All of that whole thing that the man built was not God. Was not God. And he's going to go up before the judgment seat one day and the fire is going to come and he's going to stand there. You ever, as a kid, got a match and just watched it and held it? What does that match do when you burn it and you just watch it? It kind of crinkles and just... That's what's going to be left of him, see? So everything, and I, don't, I wouldn't call his name because, you know, God, you know, God knows his heart. I'm not going to judge him. Uh, I know from some fruit of his ministry that it was not God. But anyway, uh, we need to understand that everything we do is going to come manifest at that day. Everything we've ever done and ever will do. Now, all the things that we did that we repented of and got forgiveness for never be brought up again. It's forgotten. But these things that we've done where we thought, boy, this is God. I've started several churches that probably wasn't even His will. See, it, They didn't make it because you know I wasn't in the frame of mind for them to make it. See, So I was building a mud hut for God. And I'm glad that it burnt down. <laughs> Amen. So there, there's a twofold reference here about this day that's going to reveal. Let's go ahead and read. Uh, it says, uh, because it shall be revealed, that day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. That, that, in other words, the word revealed here, it's talking about something that was previously hidden that nobody knew about. He says it's going to be real by fire or in the midst of, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. In other words, the motives for which we did what we did is what's going to be tried. And when there's bad motive, it'll be burned away. Good motive will be rewarded for that. So if any man, man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. There's that word paycheck again. Now, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. This is, like, this is as, as if one who makes it through the fire without being burned, but he still smells like smoke. See? So the twofold... The, the twofold reason behind this day can be now. When you do something for the kingdom of God, if it's for the right motive, when the pressure comes against it, it will stand. If it wasn't God, it will fail. So that's only just a precursor of what it's going to be like on that day when we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everything that we've ever done for the kingdom of God, both good and bad, we'll get into details about this later, is going to be made manifest. And, uh, and, and you know, we're going to stand there with it. He says, Know ye not that ye, and the word ye here is not individual, it's talking about the body of Christ. Know ye not that the body of Christ is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you specifically, meaning that He is going to protect the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus. And he says, If any man defile, it's the same word as destroy, the temple of God. The word temple here is naos. It means a highly decorated, beautiful temple, which is in reference to the church of the Lord Jesus. If any man defile that. Now, how could somebody defile the temple of God? Through bad doctrine. One of the things that these apostles had to do, and which in my estimation, the main, the main responsibility of an apostle is to make sure that the truth remains truth. That there's no, that there's no uh, 
bad doctrine getting in or wrong teaching or wrong concepts getting in on the church. See, And so God has seen to it that He's going to protect it. See, That's why I really feel for some of these guys out there that's preaching the, the hyper-grace message because, I mean, it's destroying large, large numbers of people and their intimacy with God. Uh, thank God He got me out of it. So he says, uh, uh, you are, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for or because the temple of God is holy. That is, in re- that is in response to the two buildings. Either the gold, silver, and precious stone or the mud hut. He says the, the temple of God is holy. It's great. It, it, it is not a mud hut. It, it is a great, awesome temple. So which temple, he says, you are? Uh, and then uh, he says, let no man deceive himself. And if many man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So you have to leave this in context. Chapter 2, chapter two is still viable. He's not left concept. It's the, 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 the completed thought is not done. In other words, all this is together. Back uh, several hundred years ago, they divided these things in chapters and verses. Before that, it would have been on just a one scroll type thing, and it would all have been together, and it would be easier for people to capture the full image of what the Holy Spirit was saying because we're so easy to say, especially with these headings. I mean, like in my Bible here, this is a Schofield reference Bible. It says uh, in chapter 3, it says, A carnal state prevents spiritual growth. Which is true. That wasn't in the original. I mean, those guys put it there. They kind of headed headed the... And I think it was God for them to do that. But we have to remember in studying these things as the Holy Spirit, don't pull it out of context. Keep it in context. Read it a hundred times if you have to. In context. And so that's what he's saying here. He says, For the wisdom of God... The wisdom of this world, rather, is foolishness with God. Remember what he said over here in chapter 2 and verse 14? It's still, it's still continuity of thought. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. They are spiritually discerned. See how important it is when you're building your building with the aid of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's building His building in you. And you're cooperating with Him. We're fellow laborers, as He said here. So it's very important that you understand that your natural mind, your natural person, will want to get in on the building of your building. See, the reason, the reason your natural mind doesn't like tongues is because it has nothing to do with it. See, that's language is coming out of your spirit, not your head. And your head argues with it, see. Argues with mine every day. I'm amazed. Every day, my head says, Jerry, you're an idiot laying here like this. But I just kind of chuckle because he can't get that lie over on me no more. We just have to, you know, why, why do you think it says building up yourselves on your most holy faith? Faith. Trust that the language that he's, that he's, boiling through you is is causing change in your life. Amen. Laying another brick, praise God. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. You'll get to the point in your walk with God to where you're going to call in, you're going to call in the trim carpenters. And they're going to come in and make everything look just so nice. Ever who trimmed these these houses at this church and that house over there was was a master. I've, I've, I've put more crown molding and stuff up than I ever care want to think about. And I can recognize that. So, so that's what the Holy Spirit, He's excited that He gets to help you in your building process. Amen? Praise you, Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's just say one thing about chapter 4 and verse 1 and we'll stop for this evening. I never even got to the first uh, line of my notes tonight, but... I felt like we said what the Lord wanted us to. Uh, Notice how he says here in verse 1 of chapter 4, let a man so account of us. It's the Greek word logizomai. 
Logizomai means a logical decision. He says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Two things I want to bring out about this. The word ministers here is the Greek word huperates. The huperates were the criminals that were chained in the bottom of the boat that rowed the boat until they died and then they were pushed out the hole and the fish ate them. They, they, they lived their whole life in the bottom of that boat. So, so Paul is using this term and says, this is the way I want you to look at me. I am a slave for Jesus and I am going to row this boat until, until my body gives out from me. Until I'm done with it. That's how he needs to, he wanted to be viewed. And that's how all of us as ministers, huperates, servants of God, not that we're anything special when it comes to being special to human beings. We are special to Him. But He'll use someone with a mindset of a servant like that. And then of course, then the next word is oikonomos, which is stewards. That means the rule of the house. So we are stewards of the mysteries of God. And guess how these mysteries, here in this same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says how these mysteries come. And you're steward of them. We're steward of the mysteries. A mystery, remember in 1 Corinthians 14, he that speaketh in unknown tongues speaketh not unto God, howbeit in spirit he speaks Mysteries. A mystery is that which being outside the range of your natural apprehension. Remember I said the natural man receives not the things of God? These things are outside the bounds of your ability to get them with your natural mind. And so that mystery is, is boiling up out of your spirit in that other language. And when you pray that out, the Holy Spirit brings revelation knowledge to you. And Paul said we're stewards of those mysteries. Amen? Did y'all get anything out of this? Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. That's why we make CDs. You can pause me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus.